Welcome to the Auscert Podcast, Share Today, Save Tomorrow. I'm your host, Anthony Caruana, and for this episode, I'm joined by Lukas Gogokievich, the Head of Corporate Security at SEEK. Lukas shares his insights as he's moved from the red team into the blue team on his cybersecurity journey, and what he's learned along the way. We'll then get an update from the team at Auscert about what they're seeing in the local cybersecurity scene, as well as looking at upcoming events and training that Auscert will be offering in the coming months. We look forward to bringing you the best of the Australian cybersecurity industry with fascinating insights, great stories from the field, and lessons you can take back to your workplace to better protect your organisation's critical assets. Hi, Lucas. Thanks for joining us today. Can you just give us a little bit of background about you, where you've come from, and, and how you got into cyber? I kind of fell into cybersecurity. I had never, ever any intention to get into IT or information security. Initially, I only I had the intention of going to the Air Force. So I always wanted to keep computers and like what's now called cybersecurity as a, as a bit of a hobby. And I didn't ever want to resent my hobbies. I didn't want to do it as a job because I really, I was quite passionate and still am quite passionate about it. So I was applying for the Air Force coming out of uh, high school and... My mum got in my ear and she said, you know, just apply for tertiary education of some description, doesn't matter what, just as a backup in this case, this Air Force thing kind of falls through. And it did fall through because they were, they were changing logistics providers or something like that at the time. And it took forever to get back to me. So I was just like, what else can I do? So I set my heart on police force. And if you kind of read through the police force requirements, it, especially for Queensland police back then anyway, said that you need to be 25 minimum or to have life experience or you need to uh, have a tertiary education. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, fantastic. I'm going through tertiary education. And also it stipulated that you need to have volunteer experience. So I thought, well, I might as well volunteer with something I know, computers. And I actually volunteered at my old high school. We were one of the largest IT schools in Queensland. We had like six or 700 computers, which yeah. back then in the early 2000s, it was quite a lot. So I did a little, little bit of volunteering there. And in the end, my mum got in my ear again. She said, well, just apply for university. You never know what might happen. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? I applied for IT at, at TAFE. And I'm like, all right, well, IT is easy. It comes, comes quite easy to me. It's a really, really passion kind of slash hobby for me. So I'll just do IT. And the police force thing didn't work out. I had the volunteering experience there as well, which is quite nice to give back. And in the end, my then, who became my actual boss, said, hey, why don't you, why don't you join us? And you, know, you, can stu- you can study and you can work here. You know, the hours are, are very, very flexible because obviously a school wants to make sure that people get educated. <laughs> so it's probably one of the, the first kind of introductions into the professional IT space I had. And then long story short, I got into a program with IBM in Sydney where there was a scholarship that paid for me to go to university and I worked there full time and I was studying part time and kind of just eventually went through network engineering, went through security engineering, taking care of firewalls and IPSs and IDSs and antivirus solutions mm-hmm. for their customers and whatnot. And then I landed a job and I had actually, I had a lot of support when I was at IBM. There was a few good people there that really kind of, I don't know, saw something in me and they said, hey, we're going to do this work. If you want to come along and learn something, come along. And then same again when I went to NAB in down Melbourne. So I got this habit of moving around sort of thing every every so mm-hmm. often. And I went to NAB, same again, someone saw something in me and the person's, I'm going to shout out to Justin Waite. He saw something in me and said, hey, you like the security stuff. Do you want to have a look at pen testing? I'm 
like, oh, you can actually get paid for hacking things. I was doing this for this You're stuff for fun when I, was, <laughs> when I was in high school. So every Wednesday for two hours, he spent, you know, a lot of his personal time teaching me SQL injection, cross-site scripting. This is how it works. And this is how you find it. These are the tools. This is the methodology. This is the mindset you have to apply. So I owe a lot to Justin, actually, because he really kind of accelerated my, my entry way. So I'm kind of hearing that, you know, pen testers and red teamers, you know, all start off as naughty yeah. boys and girls. And well, you, you rewind back to a certain point. There was, you know, it was just frowned upon. It wasn't, there was no real laws yeah. around certain, some of these yeah. things. Right? Everyone was still Matthew Bodrick in war games. And... <laughs> That's right. We all wanted to hack the US government and launch nuclear missiles, according to the TV um, shows and, and, yeah. and movies back then. So that's really cool. I mean, it, the, it's interesting. A lot of people fall into cyber and they come into it from sideways. It's not, there's not like a, you know, finish high school, you know, do IT in high school, get out, go to uni, do a, do a pen testing degree. It doesn't exist, really. But you can learn how to be a pen tester or learn how to do cyber. And then you kind of just fall into it. And it sounds like you've just followed your nose almost through the through the whole thing and you've had mum backing you all the way telling you what to do right which is fantastic <laughs> so shout out to mum as well of course yeah <laughs> so tell me like obviously you know seeks a pretty interesting organization because you've obviously got the internal challenges of many you know protecting your own infrastructure but you've got these you know millions of people who are trusting a lot of pii to you as well so how do you guys approach you know cyber for in that sort of organization so we have like a multi-framework based approach like to deal with the cybersecurity things and we focus on implementing defense in depth kind of strategies and around our security program we have a heavy focus on our people our processes and obviously the technology that we use as well so our security program kind of take a risk-based approach i think a lot of companies do as well to tackling kind of the current and emerging cybersecurity threats and you know across the across th- threats and vulnerabilities and whatnot we have an incredible team that analyzes and aims to improve the security controls based on a very very ever changing threat landscape which mm. is just crazy these days we do look at other breaches as well that other companies are facing so we look at what's affecting other um, mm-hmm. technology products and, and teams as well and we try to get a better understanding of what they're going through and then we kind of protect our customers as, as a result of what, as well so almost like a like a, a brains trust sort of thing so we quite commonly talk to our counterparts mm-hmm. in various technology companies yeah. and say hey what are you what what problems are you facing how are you solving them and how can we apply them mm-hmm. to ours and the big thing for, for us as well, it, ha- it really, really helps that we have executive leadership uh, that says, like we have our CEO saying things like, you know, security is at the heart of everything we do and, you know, major decisions, you know, we, we want to be, you know, pushing in certain market directions, but we need to ensure that we're going to do it securely. Mm. So that really reinforces to the team that's saying, hey, you know what, the things that you're doing, they actually matter. It matters to the business because the CEO is saying, hey, this matters. Mm. And I think it really makes them feel really acknowledged saying, hey, we, we are contributing to, to the business and what we're trying to achieve. I mean, you guys have faced some pretty interesting challenges. I mean, I remember you know, it was a few years ago now, there were, like, there were bad guys injecting printer code into the back of Word documents to break into networks via unsecured printers. You know, there was all the, you get all these very quite esoteric attack vectors that come through. Now, how do you know when something like that's coming through? Is it, is it really down to talking to peer networks? You know, are you doing something special to identify things like that as they come into the organization that's different to others? 
we do leverage some, obviously, some tooling, you know, as, as everyone does, just to kind of, but it is really tooling. It's like a hammer, you know, you use it for its intended purpose and you really kind of fall back on the human aspect of it to, to manually interpret what's, mm. what's happening across the network. But also we do leverage the partners. And that's one thing I've noticed as well is that along the blue team side of things, there's a real great sharing and, and conferences such as OSCERT are really, really good facilities for that as well around knowledge sharing. And, you know, just yesterday in one of the training sessions, I was chatting to one of the team members from a large bank and saying, how are you approaching this problem? Or And I was sharing some of some of our problems. Like at the moment, I think every buzzword is floating around supply chain risk, right? Absolutely. So, so this is how we're approaching supply chain risk, which you know, is, is very prevalent given the solar winds attacks and all the other things that are going on. So kind of gave, gave him some kind of insight to how we're doing it. And he gave some insight to how they're doing it from like a, from a more of a regulated banking kind of standpoint. Mm. I think there's some lessons learned for, for both sides of the, the camp sort of thing. Those that are regulated and those that aren't. So kind of just flipping it around back to you a little bit. You started as a pen tester and you've, now you're on the other team now. You've gone from the red corner to the blue corner. You're now defending against red teamers. Can you talk to us? What's that been like as a transition? So it's very different. And I'll, thankfully, I have a really good mentor and boss. So I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit. Liam Connolly. So he's our sizo. He's helped support me in, in this journey as well. I don't know. He, he identified something in me that I didn't see. So again, you know, someone seeing something in someone else. Maybe your mum's talking to all these people. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> she's getting into all these people. <laughs> she seems to have been um, pretty good with the good advice that's that's guided you, you know, particularly early on. Yeah, <laughs> I should ask her. <laughs> but there's definitely been a massive sense of imposter syndrome, like, and 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 I say this uh, to everyone that asks, saying, you know, imposter syndrome is definitely there, and mm-hmm. and even chatting to anyone at a senior level, even at probably the executive level as well. Everyone's experiencing that and I definitely went through it. And thankfully I had a really good network that I could lean on and mm. Liam was one of those. And then there was another friend as well, which I worked with, you know, a little while back. And he and he just kind of pulled me up because I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mm. genuinely, I, I feel so out of my depth here. And he said, mate, pull your head in. This is what's going on. You just, you literally went from red team to blue team. It's completely different. Mm. So, and it really genuinely helps that I'm some, surrounded by some very, very smart people as well. And the best learning is when you're pushed outside that comfort zone, I think. Mm. You know, if you're kind of doing the things that you normally do day to day and you're not really outside your comfort zone, you've done a little bit, but not as much. So mm. I think getting pushed outside your comfort zone definitely, definitely helps. Talk to us about how you actually do that because you've, you've got to change from an attacking mindset to a defensive mindset. You've got to, te- you've got to change from a exploring mindset to a you know to a more protective you know you're not looking for something to exploit but you're looking for what can be exploited and those are quite different problems to solve like the mental process behind that must be quite different like do you have do you have particular tools or methods that you use to go right i'm facing this potential challenge here's how i'm going to go in like do you have a bit of a methodology in your own mind even for me anyway i've been really poor at formalizing saying hey i align to this framework or that standard or that mm. way of going about things i've just kind of you know flown by the seat of my pants saying hey this is what i feel mm. is the appropriate thing and then i'll attend training and then just reinforce some of the, the things that i was mm. doing actually oh no they're, they're actually pretty good and they align mm. with these things and you pick up things that you missed because intuition only takes you so far you know 
when you go to a tutorial, whether you read a book or do do an online training thing or whatever, you're effectively taking in half an hour, an hour, all of the knowledge that that person's distilled over 10 or 15 or 20 years. You know, do you find that you learn, you go, oh, hang on, maybe I'm not quite as smart as I thought I was with that problem. Do you pick new things up? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? <laughs> and that's ever, ever so true, especially in, in, in our teams that we have some truly gifted individuals. But on the kind of approach and the methodology, as a red teamer, you you tend, and it's, and it's one of those things where it's somewhat of a curse because you start weaponizing your mind, to, to, to put it in a terminology, where you'll go into everyday situations and you think of how, can I, how, how would I weaponize this for my, for my end goals? If I was you know, a bad actor, how would I go about this? And how would I circumvent some of the controls? So what I've done is apply that mindset into a blue team context. And in my specific role, it's less like a SOC analyst or you know, pure kind of hands-on keyboard, having a look at what's going through the network, but more in the key stakeholder and uh, engagement kind of area where some of the, our customers will come to us and saying, hey, we want to achieve this. It's, it's very important for our business if we do this. And then we take them aside and say, okay, well, let's have a, let's have a discussion of what that looks like from end to end. And then what I do is apply that red team of mindset across every single point. It's almost like a threat modeling, mm. like an impromptu threat modeling exercise and saying, well, if I, was, if I was a bad person, here's what I would do at every single point of that flow. And then here's some of the controls or here's some of the tools or here's some of the risks that we can minimize or sometimes accept because it might cost a lot of money if, to solve a problem that's actually not that bad in mm. the end, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's the thing with the risk-based approach is that you're you're actually evaluating how big a risk is it really. I mean, it's like when people panic at threat of the week that pops up in the news and it's like, actually, you know, that's not a really big deal for us, but you've probably got some magazine manager hanging around in the, in the C-suite who goes, oh, you know, the sky is falling, let's go and spend $10 million on a thing that's actually not a thing for you. Absolutely. And it might be a thing for other people, but it's not for you. Yeah, absolutely. But I think I think we all we can all agree that the thing at the moment is, or for me personally, is uh, what I'm thinking around is supply chain, and that's and yeah. I think that's a thing for everyone. Yeah. But you're right; there are certain things that are just not a thing for everyone as well. So that crossover from the red side to the blue side that that crossover obviously has been really valuable because you've you've now got both mindsets effectively that you can work with. Do you, do you see that happening a lot in other organisations where they've got their pen testers flicking around to defensive roles and their defence teams moving into the attack side of things? Yeah, so, you know, the, the terminology around purple teaming is actually really coming into its own. There's all these, these colours coming out, which is quite nice to, to kind of help, help yeah. label and, and solidify some of the processes around it. And I think it's a very positive thing as well. And yeah, I genuinely am seeing a lot of it. And even when I was in the consultancy space, we quite commonly worked with our uh, our blue team our SOC our IR capability as you know that company had and we would ask them saying what are you seeing how how are these threat actors going about their things and how can we better tune our uh, you know offensive capability in order to circumvent some of the controls mm. and drive more value to extract more value out of the tools that those that those customers are using and then vice versa the blue team will come up to us and say hey how, how did you do this and how did you do that? So we'll kind of reflect back on that and saying, well, if you change this from a one to a two and then you can circumvent, you know, this, this 
very expensive security tools sort of thing. Yeah. And then and then they can inbuild that into mm. their into their kind of I suppose their their patterns that they look for. Yeah. So what's probably what's the biggest lesson you've taken from that transition from red team to blue team? I've got so many. <laughs> and every day the list is growing. Just applying that red team of mindset to a blue team, I think, is key. If you are going from red to blue, if you're going from blue to red, vice versa. And I think taking some of the, the skills I think I took for granted in the consultancy side, for, I was in the consultancy for almost 10 years, taking those skills for granted, just your normal, like even if you work in, you know, at Woolworths or something like that, your core customer focus kind of thing, because, you know, we are a business enabler. We're there to help the business achieve what they need to achieve, right? So just taking some of those stakeholder management and expectation settings and putting those things to good use. And then the biggest thing I've noticed and something I've reflected on on a lot of my old consultancy gigs is how small the pen testing aspect is in the in the grand scheme of end-to-end security, but it's very pivotal, don't get me wrong, mm. but how small it is, because there's, there's so many things across the journey. And I've reflected back on my consultancy days and thought about some of the engagements where fundamentally I may have missed the mark and in going into a, a, a engagement with a customer who's trying to achieve a certain type of goal. And yeah, it's, that's, that's probably one of those things that kind of stood out to me the most. It's just like, if I could turn back time and put on the blue team or internal kind of customer lens, this is how I would help that business achieve their goals or trying to you know, identify their potential deficiencies as a result. You've had this really interesting career where you kind of thought you were going to do one thing and then did something else and thought you were going to do another thing and then did something else and then kind of landed in cyber almost by accident because someone said, why don't you give this a crack? And all of a sudden your hobby became a job. For other people moving into looking at cyber, they're probably coming into an, an industry that's quite different to the one you came into. You know, well, how long you've been in? About fifteen years, something like that. Yeah. I mean, the industry today is very, very different. You know, we now have there are formal things called pen testers. Now we didn't call them pen testers fifteen years ago. We called them hackers. That's right. You know, we've got a formal thing called a pen tester. We've got a formal thing called red teaming and blue teaming and purple teaming, and I'm not sure what else we have in that spectrum that's going to come in the next you know next generation. I guess. What's the advice you would give someone today who's going like, I think I like this cyber thing. I wonder if I can make a career out of it. What advice would you give them? Go for it. If you're passionate about it and you feel like you want to explore it as well, then definitely give it a shot. And I think there is a lot of competing information around, which is quite frustrating because if you Google something like saying, I want to be in cybersecurity or I want to be a pen tester, immediately you'll be faced with, pay this money, get this certification, mm. guaranteed jobs, all that kind of thing. Try to avoid that and, and, and genuinely, as, as, anything, as anyone in cybersecurity or specifically pen testing, if that's what you want to, to kind mm. of go down the path of, you really have to understand how computers work, how the internet operates and how people use computers. So getting just some, some of the fundamentals down, actually just knowing how the internet works is, is, is so, so key. Get involved in your local community events. This is something I'm quite passionate about. This is why I come to conferences such as Ozza and whenever they say, hey, can you present or can you do this and can you do that? I'm like, yeah, of course, I'd love to give back. Just to, you know, as, as we've kind of established, people helped me along the way and that's what I want to do as mm. well. And there are other people like me in that, in that same kind of role that want to help others join this fantastic community that we have, especially in Australia. It's really, really great. Mm. And there's, a, there's, there's not a lot of ego. There's not a lot of chips on shoulders. People genuinely want to help. So 
go along to your local security events. There's a lot of conferences around the country which are fantastic. Some of the B-Sides franchises, I have to shout out to B-Sides Melbourne because I'm one of the organisers there. Oh, awesome. But there's also things like CrikeyCon. There's all sorts of other conferences around the country as well. And the ticket prices are generally pretty cheap. 50, 100 bucks. And they also have facilities just like we have at B-Sides Melbourne where we try to encourage people to come. And if you can't afford it, we can potentially help you out with some of those costs as well. Thanks, Lucas. Cool. I'm very, very happy to be here. Thank you. Now it's over to the team from Ossert. Laura chats with Mike Holm and Mark Carrie smith about what they're seeing in upcoming events and training. My name is Laura. I run the communications portfolio for Ossert. Joining me today for episode number two is Mike Holm who's our senior manager at Allcert, and Mark Carey-Smith, who's our principal analyst. Thank you both. Oh, thank you, Laura. Um, You're very welcome. welcome. Welcome to everyone. All right. So today we're going to jump into a really quick wrap-up of what's been going on within Allcert within the past um, month since the launch of episode one um, of our podcast. So we'll have a really quick conversation about the things that's been happening. Lots, always lots happening behind the scenes at Allcert. Let's start with you, Mike. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the conference wrap-up, how how you felt about it, the vibe from the 20th anniversary? Sure, Laura. I I guess for me, and this this was echoed by the sentiments that I received from many of our delegates, this was one of the first in-person events that we had all been to where a large number of people from around Australia and neighbouring countries were actually able to get together and talk in real life it's it's been a challenging uh, year more more than a year really and to actually have that interaction where you could just have those conversations that flow organically because you're not having to talk into a a zoom session or a team session that was one of the biggest takeaways but then obviously once the the social side of everything sort of subsides and you and you, you feel good about that then you realize that the cybersecurity landscape has, it, it just keeps moving. It just keeps shifting. I know. It didn't wait for us. It did really it? didn't. Even though and the world was kind of topsy-turvy <laughs> last year. Yeah. So I think that was very much a sentiment. Yeah. Pause. You, you can't yeah. sort of think, oh, yeah, okay, well, we, you know, we're doing all right here. You've got to keep looking ahead. So many things have happened, particularly in ransomware. I was talking just with some team members uh, here at Austin about this the other day. The, the pivot that we're seeing from the old-fashioned encrypt your files and demand a Bitcoin payment, the pivot from that to uh, I've exfiltrated your data and, you know, unless you want me to blab about it all over the world, you've got to give me some, some cash. That sort of pivot yeah. is, you know, for most businesses... That's, it's on a grand scale now. It's terrifying. Yes. It really is. Which is a good lead into my next question for you. Obviously, one of our keynotes, Kieran Martin, spoke about, you know, at the time of the conference, Colonial Pipeline, the whole, you know, ransomware attack was super current at the time of the conference. And that's a good lead into to the next topic. I mean, you've kind of touched on the point that ransomware is really involved in that super grand scale. Like, do you want to talk to the observations that maybe Ossert has seen? One of the things that sticks in my mind is don't be the slowest running gazelle in front of the, you know, the, the tiger or the pack of lions that's, that's chasing. And look, I, I'm not, 
I'm not going to throw shade on any of the organisations that have been hit with ransomware because, as you can see, some I know, of the I feel the pain, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, they've got resources, they've, they've got cybersecurity experts and it's still happening. So what that tells us is a lot of the things that we're doing just aren't good enough. Now, there's no panacea, there's no, you know, one solution fits all. And, you know, I would never be the one to stand up and say, you know, whatever we're doing as a cert is all you need. That's just not true. You need to have a balanced, well-rounded cybersecurity plan. You need to implement that. You need to have all the levels across your organisation. But if you can just do just something, if you can just figure out how you can ingest a little bit more cyber threat intelligence or figure out how yeah. you can write some extra playbooks so that the next time you have an incident, you're a little bit more prepared. Just those incremental increases in maturity are what we see. Yeah, the work has to, keep, exactly. has, to, has to keep going and it's mm-hmm. not a stop-start stop, yeah. initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work as a cert that we do with our international partners. Look, I won't talk about the technical side of things because mm. I think these days that's that's sort of a granted. Like you, you yeah. know there's technical stuff going yeah. on. You know, you can talk to me or, or anyone at OSCERT about that. Anytime. Yeah. What I am going to talk about, though, is what really powers that technical ability to actually do something useful. I'll, I'll give you an example. Our, our ops manager, Jeff, he'll get woken up at, ridiculous hours. Yeah, working with all the international um, (laughs) partners and liaisons. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, we are one of the first nations to wake up in New Zealand, but still, there's obviously people are still working at funny. In the middle of the night, yeah. You'll get tip-offs. And and look, those relationships, if we didn't have those relationships, that would put us on the back foot. So we're finding out about these things later than we should, which means we're not able to get the information to our constituents as quickly as we should. So those relationships that we've built up over time are what really makes that work. If you've got those those connections in your organisation, well, that's great. Exploit them, use them, uh, contribute back to them. Why not just sort of reach out to us and say, well, hey, you guys have already got all these relationships. Yeah. You know, surely, you know, there's things that you can pass on to us. Well, yeah, there definitely is. That's, that's what actually drives what a modern cert does. And that's yeah. where we've been focusing um, some of our energies to make sure that that flow of cyber threat intelligence that's coming through is still valid and it's, it's up to the minute and it's, it's relevant. The technical side of things, yeah, great. You know, there's, there's systems that can process it, get it out to the minute really fast, but it's, it's actually sourcing that information and getting the relevant stuff out to our members um, yeah. that we've been focusing really hard on. And for, and for those of you that are not members, just an FYI, Ossert is part of the um, global cyber emergency response team. We're part of FIRST. If you look up FIRST online, you'll find a whole network um, of global cyber emergency response teams from pretty much every corner of the world. So if you're not a member, look that up. But that's me digressing. That's yes, actually, thanks, no, that's, thanks that's Mike. That's a really good digression. Um, you know, that, 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 we're proud of that. So I'll move on to, to Mark now. Mark, you've only recently joined the team as Ossert's principal analyst. You've worked with, you know, in our first episode, we, we mentioned the fact that you've worked with us as a presenter at a number of our conferences. But it's really exciting to have you as part of our internal team. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the exciting initiatives that you've been involved with so far? Yeah, sure. So, look, I've always really loved being a part of the OzCert conference as as a presenter and a, a workshop facilitator, but being inside the team made it um, even more special and interesting. So my, my co-facilitator, Alex Webling, and myself delivered a workshop on leading cybersecurity assurance, and that was really enjoyable. It's always nice to have the time that a full-day workshop affords us to, to really have some good conversations with participants and to get participants talking and sharing their own wisdom was really interesting. That's all part of the culture that, that you and Beck and everyone in the team generates, that we're here to support each other and to share information. That's that's what we're all about. And and yeah, it was a it was a pleasure to condense six hours worth of content in the 35 <laughs> minutes. You did that exceptionally well. No problem. So <laughs> yeah, so that was really good. And it, look, as Mike said, it was just so nice to be with people face to face. And I I actually felt when I was sitting in the in that centre space where there were all the chairs and, you know, it was a very cruisy vibe there, just having a coffee and chatting with people. I, I felt like I was a, a bit like I was at a festival in, in the sense that sometimes the most enjoyable experiences you have are not the things on the bill. They're not the, on the rigid program. To catch up with the people that you hadn't seen for some time or hadn't seen face-to-face for some time. That was that was really enjoyable. And to me also, I met some people who I'd met virtually but not in person in so person that was really yeah. good yeah same yeah so yeah that was lovely and the, and the and the people you know our award winners we were a great crew we had some really special award winners so that was really nice as well to be part of that so in terms of the sorts of other initiatives that I've been involved with lately within Ozcert it's been really good to be progressing some of our training initiatives yesterday we delivered a, a pilot session for the training we're going to run for SchoolsNet, which is a business unit within UQ that um, provides ISP services to independent yeah. schools. So we ran a little um, introduction to cybersecurity for school professionals pilot yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah which is super to... important and brings back to the touch point that Mike had mentioned that it's, you know, a constant work in cybersecurity, it's that sort of that small progression within within various different teams. It's not just the IT security team that needs to work on on ensuring a good cybersecurity posture, right? So that's that's really crucial. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think incremental improvements is the order of the day. Exactly. Um, yeah. Wherever we can find them, and my my personal perspective is that empowering staff is absolutely critical for all organisations. Cybersecurity for me, it's a people, process, and technology domain yeah. in that order. And if we're not, if we're helping our people, if we're not empowering our people, then we're missing an opportunity that um, we really should not. Bruce Schneier has a great has a great quote: "If you think cybersecurity is a technology problem, then you don't understand the technology, and you don't <laughs> understand the problems." That's quite an evergreen quote, I think. Yes, unfortunately, in our, <laughs> in our sector. But, you know, I mean, it's always good to kind of be reminded of that, right? Like, I think it's really important for, for us to kind of go back to that grassroots and yeah. understand that the people factor is really important. Yeah, absolutely. There's only so much we can do as, as cybersecurity professionals, and we need everyone to be, to be part of the solution. 
So Mark, you've mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously very recently you've done the pilot for, for this particular um, training course. Are you looking at sort of churning out more or running more of these sessions to the greater public for our members? Are there any plans for the rest of the year? We're planning on rolling out that that training for schools on a, on a broader scale. That'll, that'll be good to get a bit more reach directly into schools. And that's to train any time, any staff members in, in schools. We also have some other initiatives that we're looking at to, to partner with UQ Cyber to provide some other training opportunities. And we have some some things that we're going to be running with the Victorian government that are, that are yes, great. They're a little right. yep. shorter duration and distance distance yeah. um, education, but but interactive as possible. I'm a, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit over a lot of webinars. A lot of the uh, virtual, yeah. But you do it so so well though. So I and I I know that we've had some really good feedback from our stakeholders and members in the Victorian government. So that's great. Yeah, what's, what's happening? What's happening? I guess bringing it back to engagement initiatives, coming back to Mike, do you want to tell our members and listeners a little bit about the sort of plan for the rest of the year? I mean, obviously it's all COVID restrictions (laughs) uh, reliance. So we just wanted to put that caveat out there. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts and Um, and plans, Mike, for engagement with with members? Look, engagement is extremely important in um, OSSET's strategy for for this year. And and it it has been for a number of years now. I'm very proud of of the work that team members in OSSET, like yourself, Laura, have have done to, to actually make that happen. We've, obviously, we, we'll, we'll keep doing that, and the intention is that we can we can really draw the three elements of OSSERT strategy together. And, and this isn't unique to OSSERT. A lot of certs are doing a very similar thing. If if you look at cyber threat intelligence and you look at incident response, and, of course, this is why we chose SOAR for our, our conference thing, if you look at those two things, neither of those can work without the engagement level. Now, at the very minimum, what we can do, and and again, this comes back to that incremental increase that that Mark and I have both spoken about. If you you look at what we can do as a bare minimum, we can train you. So we've got training courses in uh, MISP, for example, which helps you um, gather and disseminate cybercritics. We've got training courses on how to actually prepare your, your incident response plan so that you can actually, you know, use it if, goodness forbid, if the proverbial hits the fan. So at the very minimum, we can start there, but then we can build on it with you and we can actually lead you on the journey of, well, actually, there's more to cyber threat intelligence. There's more we can do. We can introduce you to more of our services that, you know, that we're bringing online over time. And the same with, with incident response. We can start very light. We can train you in preparing a plan, but then we can say to you, well, let's look at the things that you are doing at the moment and decide some of those things, maybe it's better if also it's helping you with those things like malware analysis, for example, everyone seems to be doing it and spending time on it, but not everyone wants to. Perhaps you want to outsource that to someone that can do it faster, more efficient and in a secure way. We can take you on that journey through each of those stages, depending on where your level of maturity is. And that's the plan that we've got in place for the, the rest of this year to, to really help you with that maturity journey that you need to go on in the cybersecurity space. 
Yeah, so members, don't forget to reach out to us. We're here 24-7. We've got the incident hotline. If you're not on Slack, please engage with us on Slack. And if you're a non-member and this sounds really interesting to you, please reach out to our membership office. As a final thing, we are planning to visit members at um, various meetups in the larger cities like Sydney, Melbourne, depending on obviously what's happening with the COVID restrictions, Adelaide and Perth before the end of the year. And um, if you're a member, please come and come and join us at these events and we'll be promoting them on our social media pages. Um, so keep an eye out for those. I think that wraps up our conversation, Mike and Mark. So thank you very much for joining me for that quick update from the team at Offsert. Thanks for listening to this episode of Share Today, Save Tomorrow, the Offsert podcast. A special thanks to our guest Lucas this month and my co-host Laura. We'll be back each month with new guests and look into the Australian cybersecurity scene. If you want to know more about Auscert, please visit auscert.org.au.